Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from him today. So please enjoy. So today's message, we're going to talk about the healing at the pool. And I think uh, my wife can relate to this very well because she likes to hang out at the pool. Um, but we're going to talk about uh, this miracle at the pool uh, where we, there was a paralytic man that was healed. Uh, and, and let me just say this before we pray. Somebody here needs a miracle today. Someone here needs a miracle today. And we serve a God of miracles. So let's join our faith together as we pray. Heavenly Father, we honor you, and we open our hearts to you to receive from your word. Father, I pray that you give unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened in order that we might know the hope of our calling, the inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of your power towards us, which was wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and sat him at the right hand. Father, we thank you for ministering today to those that are here and to those who are tuned in online. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, we serve a God of miracles, and I don't think we can overstate that truth. And we need to be reminded that God is bigger than your problem. God is bigger than our trials. He's bigger than the negative situation you may be facing right now. He's bigger than the hurt, the heartache, the pain, or the injury that you may have endured. Uh, There's a miracle waiting for you. And that's what this story is about with this man at the pool of Bethesda. There was a miracle waiting for him. And and he did receive that miracle when Jesus showed up in his life. And let me just say this. We all need to deal with fear. We are confronted with fear constantly in our culture, in our society, And you need to understand it's how you respond to fear that makes all the difference. In fact, you can allow it to draw you closer to God or you can allow it to drive you from God. And so my encouragement to you is in dealing with fear, allow it to draw you closer to God as you look to him for the solution, as you look to him for the answer, because he has an answer for you today. I believe it's vitally important that you know what God says about you and that you need to agree with him regarding to what he speaks over your life because he has so much that he wants to reveal through his word. And when we look to the scriptures, we can see what God thinks about us and how he loves us and what he wants to do in our lives. It's understanding that he sees your present in light of your future. In fact, uh, he has planned an outcome for you that he's intended. And it's, it's not a bad deal. It's a good deal. So open your heart to him today and determine that you're going to receive from God what he has for you through this word. I have submitted myself to the Holy Spirit to be his spokesperson today to minister his word. And that's a very uh, humbling uh, place to be. But I, I, I don't treat that lightly because I know that God is going to move in this place today in a significant way. 
So miracles are still happening today. Uh, Hannah, who just a month ago, a member of our church, she, Hannah Clysmith, uh, serving in our youth and serving in multiple areas of, of this church, was in a what the doctors call the fatal accident, but she wasn't fatal because God intervened in her life. And after three weeks of being hospitalized with a serious brain injury and head trauma, God's restored her. She returned home, and now she had to go back for another surgery, and now she's home again. But next Sunday, she's going to be in the house, um, and we're going to celebrate what God has done. Every single medical professional at Aspirus that have cared for her are remarking at the significance of this miracle. It's because of Jesus. And so we, we rejoice in that. So Hebrews 13.8, we're going to start with that passage. I love this passage. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to lay this foundation before we're going to go to the pool, okay? Because we're going to, go to, we're going to get to the pool today. But Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews 13.8, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What does that mean? It means it doesn't change. He's consistently constant that his heart to minister to people when he walked this earth is the same today because he has, he's working in us and through us to accomplish what he wants to do. Jesus is the healer today just as he was yesterday when he walked this earth. In Acts 2.22, the scripture reads, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. So Jesus lived out this life where he manifested miracles on the earth to minister to hurting people. And that's his heart today. He's still performing miracles today. Miracles have not ceased. They have not ended. As long as there's faith, as long as there's people trusting God, there's opportunity to receive a miracle. So the question I've been asking this uh, over the weeks, do you believe in miracles? If so, if you do, that's an indication that you are developing faith for the impossible. Because a miracle is when what's impossible becomes possible, right? Uh, the Bible actually is the framework for the miraculous. And, and we see in, in Romans 10, 17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith is always built up and strengthened when you hear, when you receive, when you believe the word. And this is the criteria for the supernatural, to believe God for the miraculous. And so spend time in the word, spend time daily in the word, because you will be fed spiritually. Just as you feed your physical bodies, physical food, you need to feed your spirit man spiritual food. And that is the living word of God. Because Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. All right? So now if you don't believe in miracles, you have the opportunity to develop a miracle mentality. So I put that challenge out there. Don't close the door to the miraculous. A miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. We've defined it as that. A miracle is a divine intervention 
in the ordinary course of nature. In fact, miracles can defy science. In fact, uh, they can't often be explained through natural knowledge because it's a supernatural manifestation of God. Uh, every miracle of Jesus is a promise fulfilled. Every miracle of Jesus is a promise fulfilled. Um, 2 Corinthians one twenty tells us, for all the promises of God are in him, yes, and amen. Amen? So God wants to fulfill some of his promises in your life. And uh, let me just say, we need to cooperate with him for that to happen. Now, I want to share this element too, because I think sometimes people can think that the gospel uh, does not involve the miraculous, but it most certainly does. The gospel really isn't fully proclaimed or preached without the expression of the miraculous. And we see this, and turn there, if you would, with me to Romans 15, and we'll look at verses 18 and 19. Romans 15, verses 18 and 19, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking in Romans, and he said, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Now notice verse 19. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way to Acrelium, I have fully, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So he's simply stating that the fullness of the presentation of the gospel is accompanied with the signs, the miracles, the wonders. We see that stated there. So uh, I want to challenge you with that. If we're going to bring the gospel to a, a lost and hurting generation, I believe that it's going to be in the demonstration of the Spirit of God and His power. And so we cannot limit that. We should desire that because God has given the gifts of the Spirit uh, to demonstrate His power to reach a lost and a hurting world. They're available for us. And so uh, the Bible says that we're to earnestly desire the greater gifts or the best gifts. And, and somebody said the best gift is the one that's needed at the moment, whether it's a gift of healing, the working of miracles. Those gifts are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Study them out. Uh, that's what the church has been called to operate in. And in this season, like no other time, we need to be operating in the fullness of God and not limiting ourselves. Oh, that passed away with the disciples. Oh, that, that doesn't happen today. No, it can happen today if we have faith in trusting God and believing his word, and it will happen. Amen? All right. I'll get off my little soapbox there. Uh, so let's look at the healing at the pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath in John 5. And... In this setting, and we're going to read it in a moment, a notable miracle of Jesus is recorded in this gospel of John, where Jesus heals a paralytic man at the pool of Bethesda. Now, I have a couple of slides, and we're going to bring them up. This is an artist rendering of the pool of Bethesda, and there's Jesus standing, uh, and the man has this beard. Now, he, he was paralyzed for 38 years, so we really don't know how old he was, but whatever the injury he incurred for 38 years, he suffered from paralysis. But Jesus is there ministering to him. I don't know if he's actually sitting up, but and this is another possibility of what 
a pool like it could have looked like in Jerusalem or Israel. Uh, but then this third one, the third slide, you can go there. This is the actual uh, excavated ruins of where they determined the pool of Bethesda to be. And there's St. Anne's Church uh, kind of back there, kind of falling apart. Hopefully, um, you know, churches aren't falling apart too much like that around the world. But anyway, uh, the pool is described as having five porticles. And this would suggest a five-sided pool. And the, the pool of Bethesda was visited for its healing powers. And this is kind of a little backdrop I'm giving and sharing with you. The first person to enter the water was cured of whatever the ailment was. Um, and it, it's really common to hear about hot springs in which people get healed or claim to get healed because of healing properties in the water. Uh, when visiting the Dead Sea uh, a number of years ago, we went to this place, there was a bath, and you could actually go into this hot spring. And they said, you sit there and you can be healed of different things because the minerals and stuff in the water. And, and so that was common in that day. It's common even in our day today. Uh, the Pool of Bethesda was excavated in the late 19th century, but it's really taken more than 100 years for archaeologists to accurately identify and interpret where the site actually is. And when I visited Israel, I went uh, to that site that was excavated, and, and you kind of have to you know, imagine in your mind what happened when, uh, in the story that we're going to read right now. So look with me in the Gospel of John. We're going to start at verse... Uh, one, and I'm reading this from the New King James Version. Now, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind lame and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Now, verse 4 is not in some of the translations, but it is in the New King James translation. That's why I'm reading it from that one. Uh, verse 4 says, For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Or do you want to be healed? Interesting question. Might seem obvious. But what seems obvious isn't always obvious. And, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And verse 7 goes on to say, The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And what's interesting, Jesus asked him a question, and we don't really know if he answered, but he answered with an excuse. How many times do we make excuses of why we don't receive what we know God's promised us? How many times do we make excuses of, of not walking in, in what God has determined for our life? We settle for less than what he desires and what he really has for us. And so in verse 8, 
Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And what's interesting, Jesus didn't lay hands on him. He didn't pray this long prayer. He simply gave the command to rise and take up your bed and walk. Now, what's interesting is he responded to that command. And my encouragement to you, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this later, is the importance of responding, responding to Jesus' command, responding to the command of the word. Because within the command is the ability to fulfill what he's asked us to do. Those words empowered that man, though he was lame and could not walk, to get up and to take up his mat and to walk. Okay? So that happened. So the timing of the miracle is interesting because it just happened to be on the Sabbath. And so the Sabbath was a day that was a day of rest, obviously. Not supposed to do any work. Now, the Jewish religious leaders kind of added rules to the Sabbath and said, you can't do this. In fact, when I was in Israel, it's even work to ride up an elevator. Unless, of course, you're only going one floor at a time. So if you're in an Israeli elevator, when you press 19th floor, guess what? It stops on every floor. I don't know why, but there's still religious tradition that adds to the Word of God. And that's what tradition is when you add something to the Word that wasn't really intended to be added. So Jesus, I think, purposely tried to um, get around these man-made laws and demonstrate the power of God because he showed more concern for the people than for the rule that was determined and made. The religious leaders of the day, the Jews were rule keepers, but they lost sight of really ministering to people. Jesus never lost sight of ministering to the people. So he broke religious tradition and was eventually put on the cross and killed because of that, because they had such hatred towards him, because he was violating their man-made laws, okay? Uh, I, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's fine. Um, I, I did share, we, we do a team rally in the foyer at 9.15, and all the volunteers, we get together, we'll have a time of prayer, we pray for all of you coming into the service, and then I'll, we take, just share a couple of words of encouragement. And I did let them know I may be all over the place with this message today, but that's okay. I, I do have an outline, and I'll try to stick with it, but that's fine. So uh, verse 9, let's look at verse 9. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. In other words, he responded to Jesus' command. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Verse 13, but the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. In other words, Jesus kind of disappeared into the crowd. What's interesting, this man received the miracle and he didn't even know that it was Jesus. Think about that. So Jesus shows up, performs this miracle, 
and didn't even reveal who he was until later. I think about this. How many times the people that really don't know God is Jesus Jesus showing up in their life and doing something for them and then comes back later and reveals himself to them? You know? And so Jesus is all about ministering and reaching people. And I've heard so many testimonies of people, even before they knew God, walked with God, how God was performing miracles in their life. And then they meet Jesus, and they get to know him, and they acknowledge and give him the proper credit that's due. Amen? And that's what happened kind of in this situation. Uh, Who healed me? Uh, This is a unique miracle. And Jesus didn't reveal who he was until after the miracle. Now, Going on in verse 14, John 5, 14, we'll pick up from there. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Verse 15, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Honor the Father and the Son. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now and I have been working. So we see that God's still working even though man tries to regulate things or hold things back. Um, You can't stop Jesus from working and doing what he wants to do. Um, when he wants to do it. Amen. And that's what happened in this scenario. And, and I'm going to read verse 18 as well because uh, this, I think, is significant along with this particular miracle that the Scripture reveals. Um, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus is basically revealing his deity in this situation as well. Now, Jesus, you can write this down if you're taking notes, Jesus was not breaking the Sabbath. He was breaking their tradition. He was breaking their tradition. Mark 7, 8 declares, you have the commandment of God or you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. That's what the Jews were doing. That's what the Pharisees were doing. That's what people that are religious do today. They hold to the tradition of men and consequently they're leaving the commandment of God. And so I believe there's defining moments that impact the future. And this was a defining moment for this paralytic, for this man that was healed. And In fact, there's defining moments that will determine the, the direction that your life takes. And I believe today could be a defining moment in your life. And God could do something today that would impact your life for the rest of your life. God has a defining moment for you when you will discover something new and see the work of God in your life in a very unique way. And I think uh, it's important that we be honest about what you're experiencing. And this man, here he is at the Pool of Bethesda. He's witnessing other people going into the water, being healed when the water is stirred. And he is there, has no one to put him in. 
So I'm sure he was very frustrated. He was very discouraged. Uh, he experienced disappointment time and time again. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you've experienced disappointment time and time again, waiting for God to do something in your life, waiting for him to show up. Um, in fact, what's important here is that the guy hung around. He just didn't say, forget it. I'm not going to go to the pool today. Uh, there, there has to be an abandonment to the one who's trustworthy. And I think this man was at that place. That's why Jesus sought him out. That this man was earnestly looking to receive his healing. And looking to God, he was believing that God was going to meet him. So what can we learn about the condition of the paralytic? Um, because I want you to put yourself in his place for a moment. Okay? He had been disabled for 38 years. Hopefully you haven't had an issue or a situation that's been 38 years. He had tried everything to get healed. Uh, there was nobody to help him. Uh, his family might have even departed from him because maybe they were just annoying. Said, oh, that's, that's, I don't know what his name is. This is a nameless guy in the Bible, but he's a significant man in the kingdom, right? Um, he was lying there near the uh, Bethesda pool in hope that someday he might get a chance to be the first one to get into the pool, but yet he had no way to get into the pool. But he was hoping someday that that would happen. He wanted to get well, but he could not do it by himself. I think there's a lot of people that want to get well, but they can't do it by themselves. They need somebody to come alongside and minister to them. Amen? Um, he sincerely thought that if he could reach the pool at the right time, he would be healed. The only problem was that he couldn't. And it was Jesus who finally approached him. Even after he was healed, Jesus found him again. So I want to give you some application. There's actually three points I want to cover that I think are significant in this story. Um, the first is, do you want to be healed? Do you want to get well? That's a question. I want you to ask yourself that. What's your condition? What's your situation? And we, we see this man is asked this question by Jesus. He'd been in this condition for a long time. But Jesus said, do you want to get well? Uh, we assume that the sick want to be healed, but that's not always the case. A number of years ago, uh, through an interpreter who did sign language, I was able to minister to a deaf man. And I opened up the scriptures, and, and I was able to share different scriptures about healing with him. And, and so he's reading the scriptures, and then uh, the interpreter is, is, is telling him in sign language what I'm telling him. And then finally, the interpreter says, he doesn't want to be healed. And I thought, what? This deaf man doesn't want to be healed? He doesn't want his hearing to be restored? And so I said, why? Why doesn't he want to be healed? And the answer from the interpreter was, because he doesn't want to leave the culture of the deaf, com deaf community. Because he wouldn't know how to function and operate in a hearing community. He, he found comfort in remaining deaf and refusing to want to be healed because he didn't want to step out from where he was. That, 
that baffled me. I, I couldn't wrap my mind around it at that time. But I realized that that's the condition of many people. That's why Jesus asked that question, do you want to get well? And I'm asking that question this morning, do you want to get well? Maybe you're dealing with an addiction. Maybe you're dealing with an infirmity. Maybe you're dealing with some emotional challenges. Maybe you're dealing with depression. Maybe you're dealing with uh, anxiety. Do you want to get well? That's the question I'm posing to you this morning. Now, uh, and again, I think Jesus, when he comes on the scene, he basically says, what do you want me to do for you? He places himself in the role of a servant. And in this case, um, what do you want God to do for you today? Have you asked? The scripture says, if you, you have not because you asked not. Maybe you need to ask. So do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? The second point that I want to address in the application of, of what we read in this story is what's your excuse? In John 5, 7, uh, this paralytic said, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. That was his, his, his excuse. I can't get to the pool. Now, what's your excuse that you are not healed? Have you been putting it off? That's another thing to ponder. Um, in, in your own thinking. When Jesus is here, he wants to do something. When he shows up, he wants to do something. Don't make excuses. Have you limited God because you're looking to only conventional methods to be healed or to be made well? I think that's the case sometimes. People are looking to conventional methods. This man was looking to this pool which is not real conventional, at least in my opinion, but maybe to him it was because he had seen and witnessed others healed in the pool. So maybe we're limiting God because we're only looking to one venue to receive the help that we need when Jesus is there and he's unlimited in his ability to meet you at your point of need. The third application we want to see and take out of this passage is um, sin no more in John 5.14. Sin no more. Uh, and it, it reads, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Now, we have no idea what this man's sin was or could have been. And Jesus did not address it specifically. But the man knew what it was. And, and you personally, you know what the sin is, the sin issue is in your life. And I'm not going to address it publicly from the pulpit, but you know what it is. Um, but when a person receives from God, you can't continue in the course of, of wrong behavior or action. Or you could end up worse off than when you first started. And that's the danger of sin. Sin is not a friend. Sin is destructive. Sin will destroy you. That's why Jesus wants to set you free from it. Sin brings you into bondage. Sin restricts your freedom. 
Sin strips you of your dignity, your identity. Sin prevents you from living out your full potential in Christ. So sin is an issue. And, but Jesus said, sin no more. That's a command. Did you know that that statement alone empowers us to walk free from sin? If Jesus says sin no more, that's a command. And know that whatever command he gives, within the command is the strength, the ability to live it out, fulfill it out, because you're acting on what he said. Did you know when Peter was in the boat and, and with his, the disciples and Jesus comes walking in the water? Uh, that's quite a miracle too, right? And it wasn't frozen over like Wisconsin in the wintertime. Jesus walking in the water. And Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, command me to come out there and walk in the water. Jesus did. He said, come. Because Peter knew if he commands it, if it's Jesus, I'll be able to do it. So he stepped out, on, out of the boat, like we need to do often. And he began to walk on water, doing what was impossible in the natural. Because he acted on what Jesus spoke. He acted on the commandment. Jesus said, come. And based on that word, Peter, in his faith, if he said, I can come, I'm coming. Until he got distracted by the wind and the waves and what was going on around him, and he began to sink. And fortunately, he had enough time to say, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out his hand and, and uh, caught him before he went underwater. So, so within Jesus' command is the authority and the power to respond. Jesus will never tell you to do something that you can't do because his word enables you to do it. The ability and the power to obey his word is in the command itself. We need to get a hold of that. And we're going to read the scripture in a different light. Because a lot of times we'll say, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. Jesus commanded it. He did it. Is Jesus speaking to you today? Take up your bed and walk. If he is, then you can do it. Are you waiting for God at the pool of Bethesda? Uh, before we close it, as we bring this, as we wrap this up, lessons learned from this story of the pool of Bethesda is never lose hope in God. Never lose hope in God. Isaiah 40 verse 31 states, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait for the Lord or wait on the Lord. That's, that's really a posture of serving. We're going to serve God. And we're going to be in a place where we're waiting for God to move. Uh, the problem with waiting, we lose patience. Uh, this man could have lost patience that was uh, at the pool of Bethesda, but he didn't. He showed up there day and day again. See, it appears that he did not give up on God or lose hope that one day he would receive his healing or else he would have moved on. He wouldn't have been at the pool. Yet he did receive his healing he didn't receive his healing in the pool, but he received his healing at the pool, okay? So it didn't come like he had anticipated. And then another lesson we can learn is his timing is always perfect. He's never late. He's never late. See, 
The lame man at the pool at Bethesda didn't know there was any other way for him to be healed. Yet God made a way for him to be healed. And God made a way by sending Jesus to him. Now let me just say this. God made a way for you too to be forgiven, to be healed, to be restored. God made a way and he sent Jesus because he's the way maker to bring salvation, forgiveness, restoration. The beauty of the cross is Jesus took upon himself all our shame, all our pain, the penalty and the consequences of our sin. He took that all upon himself to release freedom to us so that we would no longer have to pay the consequences for that sin. That's the beauty of the gospel and redemption. As we close, I just want to take a time and, 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 and speak to those that may not have made a personal commitment to Jesus. And maybe you're in a place where you are a paralytic, and maybe not physically, but maybe you're paralyzed in some other way. Maybe your heart has become cold and hardened. Maybe you've been through life circumstances that have beaten you down. If that's you, God is here to lift you up and to minister to you. I want you just to close your eyes and I think it's important in this moment for you to consider where you are at with God. Are you in the place where you have made your peace with God, where you feel secure in your relationship with Him? Or is there uncertainty? And maybe you say, Pastor, I know that my life is not right with God. And yet today, you desire it to be made right with God. And if that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want my life to be right with God. I want to make my peace with God. I want what he has for me. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Maybe you've never made a personal commitment to him. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you. Let's hold up your hand. Let's stand up together. We're going to take a moment and, and just pray. And, and I think all of us are at different places in our walk with God, our journey with God. Some of you are what I call seasoned believers. You, you've just been through it and you've grown in God. You know how to fight the good fight of faith. Um, and you are serving the purpose of God. And you've been established in the word of God. And there's others that or maybe at the very beginning of their journey with God, or maybe have not opened their heart to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior, because that's a starting place. That's a starting point. And today I'm going to lead in what I call a believer's prayer, and simply pray this prayer whether you've already put your faith in Jesus or maybe the first time you're placing your faith and trust in Jesus today. Because the prayer this prayer is not going to hurt you if you're a believer. It's going to only reinforce the faith that you already have in Him. So repeat after me, if you would, Heavenly Father. I open my heart to You. I acknowledge that You sent Jesus 
enter this world to die for sinners. I acknowledge that I need you, Jesus. I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. So today I place my trust in you. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, that you raise him from the dead to give me life. Lord Jesus, I commit my life to you. I place my trust in you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, I pray for everyone here, those tuned in online, that you would meet them at their point of need. As they respond to you, do you want to be made well? Father, that they would respond with a yes so that they can receive what you have for them to make them whole. Father, I just speak healing over this body of believers today that you administer by your spirit in Jesus' name. Help us to respond to the command of your word. Amen. So we're going to conclude with this song and we invite you to worship with us. It's entitled The Waymaker. Jesus is a waymaker. He is your waymaker. So whatever your condition is, know that God will make a way for you. Receive what God has for you today. Receive your healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Refuge Official Podcast today. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to connect with the Lord. And hey, if you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we are first and foremost just so happy for you and we would love to get connected with you. So if you want to find some more of our content and find out how to get connected with us, feel free to check out our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing rest of your day.